Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. It's my pleasure today to be here with a elected official that I really admire, really respect. Uh, over the years, I've covered him quite a bit. And, you know, like any elected official in town, we've had our moments, but I have a lot of respect for the body of his work. Greg Hart, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. It is a fabulous day and it's a really fun uh, opportunity to have a, a conversation with you, Josh, and your listeners. It's a great forum. I love listening. I'm a fan and uh, can't wait to have our conversation. Well, thank you, Greg. I'm looking forward to talking to you. You made news recently because you announced that you were going to make a run for California State Assembly. And this is a, a big move for you. you. You're somebody who's always been talked about seeking some sort of a state office over the years and you know you, you were on the city council for so long and then you were elected the board of supervisors and I guess now's your time right now you've decided to do it and take a chance and I just want to sort of start there um, why do you want to run for for assembly what's what's appealing about this position well it wasn't an easy decision because I really value the opportunity I have to serve our community on the Board of Supervisors. We have a wonderful group of colleagues that work together in a unique way. I have never experienced this before um, to the degree that it's in place at the Board of Supervisors. Folks are active listeners. They're really trying to hear each other and trying to move uh, public policy forward to benefit every resident of Santa Barbara County. So it's a great situation and I was very content with uh, this job, very excited about running for re-election and continuing to serve, but this is a unique opportunity. There's an open seat in the state assembly and there is no incumbent there. And the district is almost exactly the county of Santa Barbara with a little bit of South San Luis Obispo County and the Napomo area. So I know this geographic area really well. I've, I've lived here my almost my whole entire life. And I feel like, you know, experiences that I have learned by being a local elected official um, can be part of the conversation in Sacramento in a way that can have influence. There's going to be a tremendous amount of turnover in the state legislature over the next four years. There's just um, many legislators who are hitting that 12-year term limit clock and will be leaving the institution. So there's an opportunity, you know, to really have a clear, strong voice as a sort of the new generation of leadership in Sacramento. And this is, I think I have something to add to that conversation and I'm excited about it. You obviously struggled with whether to run. Um, it was a tough decision because you are very popular, you know, in the district. You probably could have enjoyed a, a long, long career at the Board of Supervisors for as long as you wanted. You know, of course, you never know what's, you know, who's going to run or whatever, but you were comfortable and um, you were recently elected. So I imagine you've got to weigh that, right, that consideration with, all right, I'm going to take a chance now, you know, and this is a larger district. So you're going to have to appeal to people who are up in North County and, you know, some people that you may not have had much interaction with in the past. Can you talk to me a little bit about sort of wrestling with whether to just sort of stay or whether to make that jump? Because, I mean, we know, right. I mean, we know that it's much easier to run when you know, you can clear the field and, you have a clearer path when there's stiff competition. It's like, hmm, is now the right time? So can you talk to me about sort of what was going through your head and that struggle? Yeah, I think I was looking at it from two different lenses. You know, one is, you know, my personal life. What's that going to be like to uh, commute to Sacramento back and forth and, um, you know, sort of ramp up the intensity 
of my lifestyle personally. And, you know, that's a big deal. It's a big change. But I personally feel like I have another gear. I feel like, you know, particularly in the last five years or so, I have just gotten a, a big surge of energy. I, I feel so, feel the clicking clock of time and want to make an impact. And um, this unique opportunity uh, presented itself. And I, I, I know I can do the work. I started my political career 40 years ago to this year in 1982 as a student volunteer for Jack O'Connell when he ran for the state assembly for the first time. And, and Jack was an incredible mentor, still a great friend, somebody who's supporting me in this um, race. In fact, he reached out to me and said, you know, you really should think about doing this. Um, you, you would be great in the legislature. And um, you know, this moment in history is really important too. Um, it's important at the County Board of Supervisors. It's just important at, at city councils around the county. And it's important in the state legislature, the California state legislature. California is the fifth largest economy in the world. And, you know, being part of the state legislature, having a voice to represent our community in that venue is an extraordinary um, opportunity. And I, I don't take that lightly, um, but I'm pretty experienced in, in public service and have done a lot of different things. So I think I will come to the office, you know, ready to go and ready to make a contribution. And that's that's my hope. Um, obviously there's a campaign um, that I, I have to succeed in, um, but I've run campaigns before and I, I've, I've spoken with Gabe Escobedo, who's my opponent, and we're gonna have a really high level, high character contest. And um, I'm prepared to work really hard and be successful. And then um, look forward to serving with um, Senator Monique Lamone and Assemblyman Steve Bennett um, in the legislature, who both have endorsed me along with Congressman Salud Carball. Yeah, there's so much to be said for that experience and that wisdom that you bring to politics. Uh, Gabe Escobedo, you mentioned him, you know, he's running and you know, his trajectory is like this and, you know, he's going to do, do well in um, a lot of fields, you know, and, you know, I'm sure you remember being that, that age, that, that young and having sort of ambition and ideas, you know, and it's a, it's an exciting time. And then here you are now with all this, this, this years behind you and you just sort of see it with this clarity that, and this sense of urgency, you know, you talk about the time ticking, right. And, you know, I know what that's all about, too. It's like, hmm, I better do what I want to do now, you know, because we may not have these opportunities going forward. Let's talk about uh, your time sort of getting started in, in politics. Um, I'm going to gush a little bit, um, but I, I, you know, I people watching like, you know, I don't care if Greg Hart, if you're a Democrat or Republican, it doesn't matter to me. These comments are preferenced on as a journalist who covers a multitude of elected officials and as a journalist, like I really like somebody like you because you do your research. And when you go up there and you talk about the issues, you explain them and you're specific and you're knowledgeable. And so a journalist just kind of has to know a, a little bit about everything enough to pursue the story. And then if they want to, go deeper, then they have to educate themselves more to report that. And so we rely on people to be able to tell those stories through. And I've always just really had a, a admiration for how prepared you are when you come into these meetings. You never wasted a moment to talk on the mic. Every time you talk, there's something to be said. And not a whole lot of grandstanding, like you're talking about content. So can you talk a little bit about like just just what's your, what's your approach? Like, why did you go into public service? And, 
you know, why is it so important to you to go in there with a perspective and a direction and knowledge and research? I've covered a lot of elected officials and you're definitely like, you know, in a, in a league of your own with just like a handful that I've had the opportunity to cover in Santa Barbara and San Jose and the Bay Area. So can you just like talk a little bit about like, what's your approach when you come at, come at these meetings and these issues? Well, thank you for, for saying those wonderful things. Um, I really treasure your um, recognition of how hard I work at this job because I do. And, um, but I love it. And it is not something that I have to turn a switch off or on. You know, I'm kind of on this job 24 seven and I live in this community. I'm deeply connected to the people, you know, that are my neighbors and friends and people I don't know. I, I want Santa Barbara and Santa Barbara County to be the best possible place it can be for me and for my children and for um, all the working families in Santa Barbara County. So there's a lot to do. And I've been very fortunate to serve in a lot of different capacities. I was on the planning commission before I was on the council. Governor Davis appointed me to the California Coastal Commission. I was the deputy director for the Santa Barbara County Association of Governments, working on regional government issues. I ran a child care center for 20 years, you know, and now I serve on the board of supervisors. So I've got a lot of life experience in a lot of different areas. And in each one of those um, steps along the path, I've learned about different issues and become deeply enmeshed in them. And I, I do my homework. I read everything that's prepared. I read three, four newspapers a day. I ask people questions. I have a naturally curious mind. I'm one of those people who goes to arts and lectures um, lectures to learn about things that I don't know things about. I literally pick things that I don't understand so that I can learn more about it. I'm just a very eclectic reader. Um, one of the greatest gifts my father gave me, he was the library director for the city and county of Santa Barbara. And so he was an avid reader and he instilled a love uh, for the libraries and books in me at a really young age and was bringing home books all the time. And I was reading, you know, great things at a young age. And I've just kind of sustained that through my whole life. And so I do feel like I'm very prepared and I don't think I need to say a lot when I speak on the microphone, but I do need to be precise and clear. And, and the point is to communicate with people so they can understand what I'm thinking and why I have come to a conclusion. And I think that's the most effective way to be persuasive, to be clear, transparent, direct, honest, you know, and then, and I hope people listen when I talk and, and, and I've been successful in um, so far, and I'm just going to continue doing that. Um, so I appreciate that you recognize it. Um, when I was chair of the Board of Supervisors during the first year of the COVID pandemic, you know, I was thrust in the role of being the communicator for the community about this scary, um, overwhelming thing. And, you know, the principle that I used to guide me through that process was to always be honest, always be clear, always be transparent, to say when I didn't know something and, to, you know, to, to not blame people for the circumstances, but to try and bring people together so that we could get through that. And, you know, I've, I'm very proud of that moment in my career. And uh, I think it was successful. It, obviously, the pandemic has gotten more complicated, more difficult as it's gone on longer. But at least in our county, we kept our political leadership together on the same page, you know, bringing people together. And that's that's a significant achievement. Yeah, you, you definitely have this ability to like shift gears in the moment. And I've seen the range of your 
<laughs> emotions on on the on the boards you know you go from explanatory there's a time when you need to be firm there's a time when you just say no this this is how it is and we need to mm-hmm. stop talking about this we're just going to go here because this is the direction we're headed and how do we frame this policy in the best way i mean you have this ability to sort of storytell but then also lead at the same time but be inclusive you know so it's really a rare quality and you know i'm sure you know you know what what i'm talking about you have this appeal to conservatives too i don't want to out you here or get you in trouble with anybody but like conservatives like you the john davies of the world they respect you for your ability to like you know understand and process and then make your decision and so um you know that's something i've noticed over the years you're not like as polarizing let's go back to high school were you like the smartest kid in the class did you figure it out in college uh what was Greg Hart like as sort of a, a youngster when it comes to uh, being able to consume the the knowledge and the information? Well, I wasn't a nerdy kid. I was um, I've always been an athlete, so I played sports in high school, uh, but I wasn't super focused on one particular sport. I kind of bounced around, played football, played volleyball, played tennis, um, even did some wrestling and stuff. So um, I'm very competitive, and I like to win. And I know that to win, you got to be prepared. And so, you know, taking those life lessons from coaches and um, other athletes and applying them to public service makes sense. You know, this business is competitive. You got to get elected in order to make a difference. And then you have to persuade people to work together as a team and accomplish a common goal. So there's a bunch of overlap. Um, Rusty Fairley was, you know, a coach when he was before he was we were colleagues on the city council. You know, I was a student of his at at Santa Barbara City Council College. Jack Sanford was my tennis coach at Santa Barbara City College, you know, people who had influential um, impact on my life and a lot of professors, too, at Santa Barbara City College as well. John Kay, Bob Kassir, other folks like that. Peter Hasland, who's still a friend, and John, too, is is still a friend, um, kind of ignited a passion in me. I didn't immediately go to college right after high school. I spent a year working as a plumber's apprentice thinking I was going to be a person in the trades. I wanted to buy a house in Santa Barbara. Even then, housing prices were skyrocketing. And I thought, you know, hey, getting a job and making a good living right away out of high school is a a clear path to being able to maybe stay in the community. And I did that work, very, very hard work. First day on the job, I showed up at uh, Hope Elementary School or Monta Vista Elementary School. And they were putting in a sewer line from the school to the street. And the, the ditch was about 10 feet deep. And the guy handed me a shovel and he says, it's got to be quarter inch to the foot all the way from the school to the, the street. And we'll come back at the end of the day and see how, you, how good you do. And we'll see if you come back tomorrow. And so I just I busted and worked hard and threw a lot of dirt and got it done. And uh, Dino Sigali was the guy who worked for Ingalls Plumbing and came back at the end of the day. We had this crusty cigar sticking out of his mouth. Great guy. And uh, he said, okay, we'll let you give, we'll let you try another day. And uh, so I did that for about a year. And then I thought, you know, maybe I should try college. And, and I went to college and, uh, and then graduated from City College and went to UCSB and then met Jack O'Connell and started on this political science um, career, political public service career, and um, have enjoyed every minute, met some incredible people, um, stories I could tell, and uh, I just am still loving it. And like I said before, I think I have another gear mm-hmm. and working in the state legislature right now is a, is a great opportunity to, to serve our community. Well, I didn't know you were so, I know you're competitive in politics. You know, I can tell when, you, you know, you you want to shape a vote, but I didn't know about the sports so much, you know, that you were so in all these different sports. 
Um, you mentioned your dad and you mentioned him a few times over the years. And I think he's probably somebody, a source of inspiration, admiration. He was the library director. Can you talk a little bit about what you learned from your dad in terms of not only your ability to like read and want to read and enjoy to read, but just like in terms of your, your leadership style and how you navigate everything you do today? Yeah, that's a great question. Thanks for the opportunity to talk about my dad because um, he was very influential. My mom as well. My mom is still alive. She lives in the house I grew up with, I grew up in. She's um, 92 years old and is doing fabulously well. She's an artist and a really connected social person. She's actually my strongest Republican supporter. So um, I'm really proud of that. But my dad... Um, had a very complicated job because he was the library director for both the city of Santa Barbara and the county of Santa Barbara. That's kind of a unique role. It doesn't exist today. There's different people doing those things now. So, uh, and in addition to working with the city council and the board of supervisors, and at that time, the city of Santa Barbara really ran all the libraries in the county. So there were all the different city councils that he's, he's had to report to, and then all the friends of the libraries for those individual communities. So this incredible network of supporters and friends of libraries um, that all have their own complicated needs and pressures and interests in the system. And he would describe in great detail how much time it took for him, you know, to work through that and to develop a consensus, collaborate with people. And, you know, there's nothing that can replace time and commitment. And he put in the time and was committed to that work. And the result was, you know, a regional library system that was one of the best in the country. And during his tenure, he helped build the Eastside branch library. It didn't exist. He, he got the funding and got that project approved, built the Goleta branch library and renovated the downtown branch library. So really significant infrastructure investment improvements. And I was impressed by that. And I'm always kind of focused um, not just on libraries, but on public infrastructure investments as part of my career, because I realized and understood at a really young age, these things last, you know, they last beyond a career. They, they are become an asset for the community that people can be proud of and can use for generations. And that, and those, the, the opportunity to create those is not often. And when you have that chance, you need to jump into that space and run hard. And that's something I worked really hard at, at both my job at the Santa Barbara County Association of Governments with the Measure A uh, transportation measure to invest in our communities for 30 years in transportation projects. Um, measure B, which was the Open Space Clean, Clean Creeks Initiative at the City of Santa Barbara. Hundreds of acres of open space as a result of that, my leadership in that issue. And then Measure C at the City of Santa Barbara with the, um, the sales tax increase from a couple of years ago that generates $22 million a year. This improving streets and sidewalks and roads and providing money for homeless services. You know, these concrete, real life, practical solutions that deliver results is what I, I get the most satisfaction out of helping bring about. And, um, and I want to take that experience and apply it directly in Sacramento. Yeah. So let's, uh, do you remember the days when I started at city hall? <laughs> Probably not. I remember the, no, I do. Absolutely. Yes. You know, you were on the council and it was a couple of years at the news press and then, you know, I'm covering city hall and I was, it was so fun back then. I mean, it was so much fun. It was fun when an elected official would say good job, it was fun when they would yell at you, you know, like I, you, you know, the, the fights I had with Dan C, Dr. Secord over the years, like I will remember those forever. He was right. Most of the time, you know, uh, sometimes he was a bit of a, a little too strong, but you know, those, those moments where a young reporter where you're sort of learning the beat, learning the personalities. And there's a lot of stories I wrote that I probably wouldn't write today. You know, I'd say those are insider baseball and you and, 
12 other people care, but the real public doesn't, you know? And so we all grow, but yeah, I I just want to sort of talk a little bit about like, you know, we always, always, we always talk about, oh, tension on the council, right? You know, and there's divisiveness and there's going to be a swing vote and where's this, it's always that way, right? It's always been that way in Santa Barbara. I mean, do you remember those days when we had Marty and Ia and was it Roger and Rusty? And I mean, I don't, you know, like you, you served for like eight years, you know, but what do you recall about those, those days on the council? And you actually served before I, I was covering the yeah. beat, but when you look back so, at that time, what do you think? Some of the things that just immediately popped to mind was um, Tom Roberts, who's a good friend still. He was a really interesting council member. He liked to make speeches and liked a little bit to grandstand a bit. And, and Tom and Harriet Miller would clash often over that because Harriet was about as no nonsense as you could possibly be. She wanted the meetings to run efficiently and get the train into the station on time. And when Tom would tangent, you know, and make long winded speeches and Gil Garcia would occasionally do that too, because Gil's an architect and a visionary and has really broad, expansive ideas about, you know, development issues and things. So when, when the tangents would happen during the meeting, Harriet was sitting next to me or I, I remember specifically I think it was the mayor pro tem so I was sitting next to her she would kick me in the shin under the dais and mutter under her breath make a motion Greg and so uh, that was my job was to move things along when Tom and Gil got a little bit uh, too verbose oh my goodness that is, that is so funny um yeah I mean we talk about like remember like Anna Marie got right like so she's like a a frequent public commentator and you know everyone's like Oh man, you know, you know, they have their strong opinions on her, but I mean, we were around when Bruce Rittenhouse, remember, yep. <laughs> you knew I was going to mention him, right? Like he's like, 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 you know, Bruce, <laughs> you say what you want about Anna Marie God, but you know, Bruce would go in there and do the same thing in person. And, you know, he was popular. He had this base, you know, and he, I mean, I'm sure you were the recipient of a few of his <laughs> public attacks too, you know? Another funny story with that is um, I was on a cruise to Mexico. I think it's the first time I'd been on a cruise in my life. We go to Puerto Vallarta and I'm there in the plaza. Bruce has moved from Santa Barbara to Puerto Vallarta. And there he is holding court in the plaza downtown <laughs> with a group of people around him, I think from the cruise ship. And he was talking to him and I just couldn't stop myself from going up and saying, Hey Bruce, how you doing? How's Mexico? And he just burst into the biggest smile and we, you know, hugged and laughed and, um, miss miss bruce he's one of he's one, definitely one of santa barbara's best characters yeah i mean i you know a lot of communities they have those characters but you know santa barbara's just got this incredible high level of people who care about what's happening and you know it's easy to marginalize them but at the end of the day they they do have they care they have strong opinions and they come at it from a perspective and it makes things better right then can you imagine all these meetings where nobody would show up and no one would talk that's no fun well, and that's not necessarily the case everywhere this is a county where people do care that you know it's not easy to stay here you have to work hard uh, to survive in a, in a very expensive place like santa barbara county and as a result people are committed to making it better and making it and improving it and there's been generations of folks you know going back 100 years who've all vested time in community endeavors and we all benefit from that and so you know our role in this moment in history is to do our part today but there are folks coming down um, around the corner who are going to take over the mantle and are going to take it that much further and i know our community is going to continue to be a leader in so many different ways because uh, there's a great generation of leadership coming up 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, you took a break from the council for public service. You, you did your time, you were done, you went and did other things, and then you came back. Uh, can you just spend a couple words talking about why you got out of it and then decided to get back in? And, you know, um, we all well, go through our life changes, you know, and so talk to me a little bit about what was happening there. Um, I got out of politics because I had hit the term limits clock. So I could only serve those two terms in a row, had to take a break. And then when I did take a break, you know, I really engaged in our family business. We were running uh, Transitions Preschool, my former wife and I. I wanted to operated that business for 20 years and it was a passion project and a labor of love and just an incredible opportunity. You know, I was building stuff on the weekends and doing the business part of the business and even helping out with the childcare when, um, when she was sick or staff couldn't make it and things and just a really rewarding time. Very proud of that. That facility, that childcare center still exists now. It's run by um, storytellers. So it serves um, children who are, whose families are experiencing homelessness. And it's just a wonderful place to this day. And I, I every once in a while, I'll peek over the fence and have memories of that. But I was, I noticed that I was watching public access TV more and more and watching council meetings. And uh, I found myself kind of yelling at the TV a couple times and saying, well, you know, I think I have something still in the tank. I probably should get back in. This isn't productive. Nobody in my house wants to hear me yelling about council business. So I ran and um, was glad I did because I, I have a, I just like this work and, um, you know, the opportunity to serve presented itself and then and the chance to serve on the board of supervisors and now this opportunity too. So I've, I've been very fortunate, um, but I, I work hard at this, this work, you know, the past experiences that I have, um, help inform the present fights that I'm engaged in that are that are all aimed at a vision of the future that I want to help achieve in our community for uh, my neighbors and friends and family and everybody that, that lives in our county. And I think what we're doing in Santa Barbara County has a lot of resonance with what the state of California needs to be doing to provide, protect the environment, have a good economy that's creating good jobs, you know, that respects um, the natural resources of the place and, and values education and, and public safety. We've got all the challenges that um, are facing the state of California are mirrored here in Santa Barbara County and the, and the solutions to those can be found. And I think the practical real life things that we're doing to address homelessness, affordable housing, public health, public safety. And so I wanna be in the room in Sacramento helping make those decisions because the resources and the constraints that the county operates, that city governments operate are largely determined in Sacramento. And I think it's important to have somebody with my experience up there um, helping set the table for us. Yeah, you know, uh, Gavin Newsom, obviously was the focus of the recall attempt and uh, he beat that uh, pretty handily. Although there was a time in the polls where it didn't look that way, but things shifted. And he, by the time the election came, he was, you know, clearly uh, gonna, you know, not get recalled. Um, do you have any thoughts on sort of this, this stuff related to mass and, uh, uh, you know, closing the economy, keeping it open? That It seems like as though that issue is going to continue uh, indefinitely. We have the Omicron variant, and now it's it's gotten, you know, the cases have gone down. Who knows what the next thing is? There's this, you know, businesses don't like Gavin Newsom because of what happened. Um, you know, now Gavin Newsom is going to, you know, he's ending the, the mask man ma mandate. Uh, schools are still like, you still got to wear a mask in schools. Um, you know, do you have any, you know, are you looking forward to that? It's like being a part of that conversation on the statewide, you know, sort of public policy. Uh, 
you know, how do you see yourself playing into this, these issues that, that are so personal to people at a time of COVID? I mean, COVID's not going to go away and, you know, after November, right? It's still going to be around in some form. Yeah, this is, you know, the toughest thing that any of us, I think, in our lives have had to deal with. Um, I was talking with my former mother-in-law, who's 93 years old, and I asked her, you know, you've lived through, you're a child in the Depression, you're a teenager in World War II, you know, all of the recessions and the difficulties, the wars that have happened then, you know, how does this pandemic stack up to those experiences in your lifetime. And she said, oh, it, this is easily the hardest thing. You know, for the first year of the pandemic, you know, we couldn't get together. We couldn't hug each other. There was no, you know, physical comfort for the trauma and the anxiety that we're all experiencing. So this, this is a very serious thing that we weren't prepared for, that um, I don't know that we have frankly responded adequately to, and we don't know where the end is. But I do think now, after two years and the experiences that we've had and the things we've learned, that we're closer to the end than we are to the beginning. And I think that it is appropriate to be moving away from the mask mandate at this point in time. Hopefully, we're not going to see another surge that comes from that if there is another variant you know we might have to revisit that I, I think there has been a consistent critique about a pandemic response that says you know you're moving the goalposts all the time well that's true because the challenge moves all the time and if you try to do the same thing when the facts are different you're making a mistake so you know what we're saying now today you know, mark my words, but it may have to change depending on what happens with a potential future variant. But right now, cases are plummeting to the point where they were in early December, where we were very, very close, you know, to dropping the mask mandate at that time. Um, and when, what we know now is obviously that Omicron is not as virulent as um, Delta and the other, the other strains. So the consequences on public health are less. Um, it's not zero. We've got deaths happening every day. There's still a, a danger and folks have to be careful and use their own risk assessment to decide for themselves. You know, when, when the mask mandate goes away, I suspect lots of people will continue to wear masks and, and people will, will limit their contact with other folks. But there will be some who say, you know, enough is enough and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this now. So um, I think what, was, what we've learned from this pandemic is that we need to invest more in public health so that we're better prepared for the next event and, and for the resolution of this event. And that there have been tremendous inequities in the investment historically in public health. There are many communities who have suffered much more significantly from the pandemic than others. You know, you just simply, you know, the people who have to go to work as opposed to the people who are able to stay home and protect themselves, you know, that, that's just a gross inequity. And that, that's not, that's something we're gonna have to think about in the future is that how does that fall on one class of people versus another? And um, so there are many, many questions, many, many things we have to unravel and, 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 and figure out to do better in the future. But, um, and, and, the, and the most obvious one uh, that, that has to be said is that, you know, the partisan ideological imprint that has been layered onto this public health emergency has been enormously destructive. And I think we have to, as a country, figure out how to detangle that. Um, when I was chair of the board and I was communicating to the, to the public, I made a very conscious decision to not criticize President Trump and his decisions. Um, which, you know, obviously in hindsight were, were significant and, and we're still suffering from, because I was trying to communicate to every single person in Santa Barbara County to pull people
people together to get everybody to understand that if we work together, we wear the mask, we get vaccinated, that is the path to have the most protective environment for everybody. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, that, that intent and that goal uh, as laudable as it was, you know, didn't work because the context was already set by the national leader of our country who injected ideological um, elements into that, that public health response. And we're struggling ever since, and we're uniquely struggling. You know, there, there's look around at the, the rest of the world. What other uh, resource revenue financially rich country has done a worse job in trying to communicate the need to get vaccines um, in the United States is, is uniquely bad in that respect. And it's unfortunate. And I think it can translate directly back to, you know, the very first statements from the president about the situation. And, um, you know, I don't think any other Republican president in history would ever have handled this circumstance the same way. And I don't expect any president in the future to handle it the way it was handled this way. We're going to, we're going to do better because we're not going to have that kind of dissonant voice and we're going to be more united and we're going to be more effective as a result. Yeah. And you just said more in five minutes there than a lot of people say in an hour when talking about that issue. So, I mean, that's just a good example of like just how deeply you think about these issues. Um, Hey, I'm going to ask you one more policy thing and then we'll wrap up here, but um, you know, SB nine housing, you're going to be in that sort of situation where you're stuck because all the local people are like, Greg, you need to advocate for us. Right. And then you're going to, you know, if you win, you're going to be in the state legislature and you're going to be sort of like focused on the policies of the state and trying to get more housing for, uh, for, for people, for renters, you know, more affordable housing, housing of all types, really. Um, so uh, what are your thoughts on sort of that push and pull between local control versus statewide mandates? And how do we get more housing at a time when local communities haven't really done, I guess, what they've needed to or you know, Santa Maria has, I guess, but, you know, not some other communities. So how do you approach that when it's like forces colliding from state versus local? Well, I think that the experience that the city of Santa Barbara had with the redevelopment agency, house, affordable housing set-aside funds, those monies were available, is a unique story that needs to be shared in Sacramento. And I, I'm the perfect person to, to bring that experience um, to light there, because what, what the city was able to do over 30 years of redevelopment agency funding was with predictable, reliable dollars that came through that funding stream, build 15% of the of the rental stock in the city of Santa Barbara that was you know publicly created through the redevelopment agency and the housing authority, you know, and, and also inclusionary zoning strategies of the, at the time. And those people are the backbone of our community, and they're living in units that are going to exist you know, forever. And, and that is not an accident. That was a super intentional policy decision. And there was, there was a reliable funding source to make that happen. When the excesses around the state of California with redevelopment agencies came to light, the legislature was appalled, rightly so. There were many local governments who were not using those redevelopment agency dollars appropriately. Santa Barbara was not one of them, unfortunately. Uh, we, were, we were probably one of the best examples of how you can do it right. But um, the legislature eliminated that whole program because of those excesses. And the, and the casualty of that is we don't have that funding stream for affordable housing. I want to put that back. That seems like a very practical, reasonable solution to the housing crisis that's being faced by every community. Give local governments reliable, predictable money for to build affordable housing units and then you know get out of the way and let them do it. I, I'm skeptical of these um, 
the state mandates that are you know trying to rezone and drive the production of units you know that may help on the margins but even the advocates for those project programs you know think that there's a relatively modest boost it's not going to solve the problem and there probably is no silver bullet it needs a lot of different approaches um, to, to be sustained over time to make a difference. We're just not building enough housing units. The population's growing. That supply in, imbalance, supply demand imbalance is, is tough. And, and we have that same dynamic here in, in, in Santa Barbara County. The university, unfortunately, has not built the housing units they promised under their large long range development plan. So there's a gap of about 3,500 units that students need um, in, in housing. And that, that impact, that demand that hasn't been fed by supply is rippling through the entire community from Carpinteria, you know, all the way out to Goleta. The rail market is unnaturally tight and rents are going up and people are suffering because the university hasn't made its commitment. So, you know, all these things fit together. We got to collaborate. We got to work together we gotta we gotta stop you know yelling about what we shouldn't do and focus in on what we should do and and that's what i'm going to bring to sacramento and and you know that there's only three legislators that represent santa barbara county monique lamone steve bennett and and myself potentially um we're going to have to have really clear examples of success to have an have a chance to change the conversation to be you know, less focused on the Bay Area and LA. But we've got some really specific examples of success that we can share. And I, I, I hope that will make a difference. Yeah, well, I, I know a lot of people are looking forward to you being in Sacramento. It's not a done deal. Anybody can run, I guess, still. Uh, but, uh, you know, long overdue for sure. You know, if you do uh, win successfully, if you successfully win that seat. Um, last question, most important question of the day. Some people will, will, will listen to this and watch this before the Super Bowl. Um, you you got to be rooting for the Rams, right, Greg? Oh, absolutely. I got my Matthew Stafford jersey in the, the closet. But I must say, um, I got that jersey. I went down to the game when they played the Cardinals. Uh, wearing my mask and vaccinated and everything. And um, he played terribly through three interceptions. They lost bad. And so I was almost ready to throw the jersey away. But I'm back on the bandwagon. I'm going to be wearing it. Go Rams. Uh, they're going to win. I mean, I, it has to be divine intervention. They're playing the Bengals. Come on. Yeah, the, mean, the Bengals are good, though. I mean, it's not, it's not a done deal. That, that it could have been the Chiefs. You know, it been that, like, that would have oh, been worse, no. probably. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be a game. And, uh, uh, I, I know you're a lifelong um, LA fan, you know, Lakers, Rams. I'm a huge Rams fan. You know, I, I love the Kurt Warner years. I didn't care that they moved. I, they were still my team when they came back. I'm like, yes, we brought them back. So um, maybe, maybe it'll be a good day for both of us there. I hope so. I'm let's definitely not talk about the Lakers. That's, that's not going so great right now. <laughs> and you're not even a fan. You're like, you could be a reporter on them. I mean, you're, you're just like textbook on all that stuff, but Hey, uh, uh, Supervisor Hart, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, sit down and talk. Uh, it's always a pleasure. Uh, you know, when I think of my career, I think of you because you've been there the whole time that I've been reporting. And um, I appreciate all the knowledge you uh, bestow on the public and all the times you help me out with uh, a quote or clarification, you know, uh, just information so to make my stories and the journalism better. And, you know, good luck to you as you uh, you go forward. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Just a pleasure um, working directly with you and, and being on your show and talking with your audience. It's just, you know, I, this is the best part of my job is when I get to talk to people about things I'm passionate about. So thanks for the opportunity. All right. Take care. Good luck.